0: I love that Jesus Loves Me song. I saw that on the, on the list, and I thought, oh, well, that's a throwback. That's kind of cool. And then I realized it's like this super jazzy version of it, you know? Uh, so that was a lot of fun. But it's a great reminder, right? That simple reminder that we need to be gospeling each other with every day, that Jesus loves us. So why don't you turn to the neighbor on your right and say, Jesus loves you. Or behind you if you're on a row by yourself. Now turn to the person on your left and say, Jesus loves you. If you're holding a baby, tell that baby, say, Jesus loves you. So, all right. Well, it is great to be reminded of that amazing truth, and it certainly falls right in line with what we're going to talk about this morning. This morning's message I'm calling Ambassadors of Hope, and we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, specifically kind of honing in on verses 16 through 21, but, um, but we'll look a little bit at the, at the paragraph before that as well. But Second Corinthians chapter 5, if you want to go ahead and start turning there, ambassadors of hope. So in 1969, my Uncle Bob, whose uh, actual legal name was Robert Robert Robertson. You can talk to me about that later if you'd like. Hey, it's got nothing on my dad, who is Ronald McDonald Robertson. That's a whole nother story. So, my Uncle Bob was asked by the Nixon White House to be the Executive Director of the National Council on Indian Opportunity in the office of the, White, of the Vice President for the White House. Uh, he oversaw Native American programs in the federal government all throughout the federal government. He then served as the Assistant Secretary of the Department of the Interior, managing Senate uh, Congressional Affairs. After leaving government service, he represented the pet and timber industries in Washington, D.C. He spent the last 18 years of his D.C.-based career in the private sector as the senior vice president for international affairs at Occidental Petroleum. He had big titles. Occidental Petroleum, traveling the world, interacting with world leaders, solving complex political and policy challenges for the company. While at Occidental, uh, he was asked by President Ronald Reagan to serve as the chairman of the President's Commission on Indian Reservation Economies, a task that he proved uniquely qualified for. Um, Now, my uncle was never an actual ambassador, but almost all of his career was ambassador-like. He represented the White House. He represented his country. He represented a large international conglomerate. He represented... Uh, those leaders that were a part of uh, First Nations reservations and things like that had a very unique role like that. But in all of those roles that he played as an ambassador-like figure, all of those pale in comparison to the role that we have as believers being called out to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to really talk about and think about this morning. Um, So, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21, and I want to go ahead and read our text this morning for us. And so, if you are physically able, we'd love for you to stand with us in honor of the reading of God's word. If you are not able, we'd ask that you just stand with us in your hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning with verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come." God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. May God bless the reading of his word. The Lord has spoken to us, let's say this together, thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, I I there's a really key phrase in this text that I want us to focus on here just at the beginning and I want to know if you see it clearly. Look at 1 Corinthians 5:20. 1 Corinthians 5:20. Do you do you see the do you see the phrase there therefore, okay? Therefore in verse 20, uh, therefore being the continuation of what God has done for us to reconcile us, therefore You see our title there? We are ambassadors for Christ. Now, Paul's talking about, in particular, he and his companions. Because in this section where he's writing to the Corinthian church... There's sort of some biographical stuff here. He's kind of telling his story. He's explaining to them what's going on with he and his companions in their ministry. But by extension, we certainly know that he is encouraging us to watch him as a model, to see what he's saying God is using them for and how God is using them. And he's encouraging us to live and to act in that same kind of way. So I don't think it stretches out the text for us to say that the call here is that we then recognize ourselves as believers, having been redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, having not had our trespasses counted against us, entrusted with the message of reconciliation, we've been called out to be these ambassadors. For Jesus. Now, let's think for just a second about what that word means. What does it mean to be an ambassador? Uh, well, the dictionaries would use synonyms like a representative, an emissary, a mouthpiece, a messenger, or maybe a, a diplomat. If we dig into the original language and we look at what that wording means in the original language, we could come up with things like one who is sent to be or to act as one who is sent, to bring a message or to negotiate. All of these words and phrases help us to get a better understanding of what this calling is that God has given to us. It is in some sense that we are here as believers standing in Christ's stead in front of this fallen and broken world. We are standing for Christ to the world. That has a lot of implications to it that we've got to think about this morning, right? Uh, That's a a big calling. Anybody else recognize that? Does that feel slightly overwhelming to you when you think about that kind of description and that, that we're before the world standing in Christ's stead to represent Him, to be a messenger of Him, to speak His truth to others. So Paul here in this text and his companions are both modeling for us, but they're also calling us out into this role of being ambassadors for Christ, messengers, sent ones, negotiators, His emissaries. So, uh, when we think about this, it's, it's interesting, this passage, because of late, as we've been working with churches and thinking about our time, especially with dying and declining churches, which we have far too many, um, one of the analogies that I've been using is that a church in a particular community is like, a, is like an embassy for the kingdom of God. It sits in that community, and while we understand that the church is not any piece of property and the church is not a particular building, the church is the people, that we recognize that there is somewhat of this sacred, set-apart sense that that place is like the sovereign territory of the kingdom of God, just like an embassy in a foreign land is the sovereign territory of the United States, and that... Because of that, it has significance, and it's why we're trying to encourage dying churches to think about what's next, to think about if it's not going to be you as a body of believers inhabiting this space, how could it be another body of believers inhabiting this space having a kingdom impact in this community? And so this idea of the church being an embassy in this foreign land that we call the world, that we call society, that we call the people of the globe, as we think about being an embassy, then we are the sent ambassadors to inhabit that embassy and to be representatives for the sake of Christ and for his kingdom to that community that surrounds this embassy. That's the picture that we're talking about here. Now, we know that one of the core identities for us as a church and as Christ followers in general is that we're called to be eyewitnesses, right? We're called to give an eyewitness testimony for what we have seen and heard to be true. That's what an eyewitness is. And so we have seen and heard from God's Word what we know to be true, and we declare that to others. We have also seen and known what is true In our own lives, as God has worked in our hearts, as God has worked through our situations and circumstances, and because we gather regularly in intentional gospel community through family groups and other things, we also have heard how God has worked in our brothers' and sisters' lives, right? We've been gospeled by each other to say, let me give you my evidence of grace. You know what that is? That is us saying, let me tell you how God's been at work this week. Let me tell you how he showed up this week. Let me tell you how he illustrated his power this week. Let me tell you how he showed how he can heal this week. Let me show you how he showed me how he can work and use me in the life of someone else this week. So we have this calling as I witnesses. We represent the kingdom of Christ. We're messengers of the hope that he brings. We've seen firsthand the grace and the hope of the gospel in the scriptures and in our lives. We know the hope that God has fulfilled and is fulfilling through our every days through Christ. So we believe that we have something worth telling For some Christians, it's kind of a feeling of, well, I don't know. I don't have a theology degree or anything. I don't know what I would tell. Tell what you've seen God do. Tell who you've seen God prove himself to be. That's what we're here for. That's what it means to be a messenger, and ambassador, is to represent to the world by how we live and by what we say the reality of the truth of who Christ is and what Christ has done for us it's really not that complicated it's not easy but it's also not complicated this local church is a family of worshipers living as disciples on mission to give a witness to what christ has done now why is this so important for us to live in this kind of way why have I entitled this ambassadors of hope? I could have said ambassadors of reconciliation, which is where our hope is, ambassadors of Christ and all of those things, but I didn't, I didn't want it to feel so churchy that you might feel somehow distanced from it. So I use that word hope on purpose because I think one of the great struggles that we have right now in our culture, in our world today, is a sense of hopelessness. Would you agree with me on that? We live, we know we live in a broken world, right? And that brokenness has been a progressive brokenness which started in the garden with our forebears, Adam and Eve, and them choosing to rebel against a holy God. Them choosing selfishly to say, what we want is more important than what you want. We're, we're going to do what we want to do. And we've just, it's just cascaded since, and we've continued to make those kinds of choices as humanity. And the results of that, the results of that rebellion, the results of that sin have been a worldwide catastrophic brokenness. We see it in so many unique ways, that sense of hopelessness, that sense of brokenness. Let me just ask you, I know we're not necessarily used to this, but let me just ask you, what are some ways that you see hopelessness happening today in our culture, in our society, in the world around you? Don't Try not to think way out there. Think about your own life, the people that you know, the people that you interact with. What are some examples of brokenness, of hopelessness that you're seeing right now, in your world right now? Homelessness, okay. Divorce, addiction, loneliness. Isn't it amazing? I was in New York City this past week. 22 million people in a 75-mile radius from New York City itself. 22 million people, but packed with lonely people. I walked into Times Square last Saturday night, and it was literally shoulder to shoulder. It was not comfortable, folks. I really wanted to go back to the place and take a shower. It was gross. But packed with people. But so many, just lonely. They were in a crowd, but they felt like they were all, the, they're all by themselves. What else? Anxiety. Anxiety. Other things? Hopelessness. hopelessness helplessness yeah people who feel like they just can't fix it they just can't change it. you know it's got to change but they just can't figure out how to change it anything else you've got some others running through your head and I know it's okay not everybody wants to talk out loud in church that's that's fine but but, but you get my point right say again despair. despair yeah yeah a fear that just cascades right into a sense of it's just not going to get fixed. It's not going to get better. Well, well, you know what a world like that needs? It needs people like us to tell them about Jesus. Now, wait, 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 wait. I know what you're going to say. Oh, so this is the Sunday school answer, right? That no matter what question you ask, we just say Jesus. How do we fix helplessness? Jesus How do we fix hopelessness? Jesus. How do we fix loneliness? Jesus. Addiction? Jesus. And there is a sense in which that is true, right? We know that ultimately Jesus is the answer to all of those terrible situations and that brokenness. Now, we know that there are also steps in the process and ways that we use ourselves and each other as the hands and feet of Jesus to show the steps in that process. That it's not just some, we'll throw Jesus at him and it'll fix it all. But ultimately, we do know that for there to be true change, for there to be true transformation, for there to be true healing, it's going to take Jesus. And that's why God has chosen to leave us here as believers. If you're a believer here today, do you ever wonder and ask yourself the question, why don't we just and go to heaven when we pray and receive Christ. That'd be cool with me. I would have been okay with that, right? But yet he leaves us here. Why does he leave us? He leaves us here, and I think this passage tells us, he leaves us here to be ambassadors for him, to be his voice, to be his hands, to be his feet. So that's what we want to think about. Why in this hopeless world is it so important right now for us to step up and step into this role That God has given us, because the world is so broken. I know that can lead us to our own questions, right? Our own sense of helplessness, our own sense of despair, our own sense of I I don't see how we're ever gonna how we're ever gonna fix this because we got people on all kinds of sides pushing hopelessness. We are hope dealers, but there's a whole lot of people in this world that are hopeless dealers, right? That they love that people are more angry than ever. They love that people are more scared than ever. They love that people want to push and fight back more than ever. Or they love that people are just chasing after their own dreams and their own imaginations of how to make life better. Their own individualistic, if I can just be me, then everything's going to be great. My recurring question tends to be, how's that working out for you? Right? But that's not not the answer. We know what the answer is. Talk to me, right? We know what the answer is. Some of you have chased some of those lies, right? And you can give testimony to us this morning and say, "It, it, it ain't at the end of that rainbow. We know, we know what the answer is. The answer is the transforming work that only Jesus can bring. And that's, that's why it's so important that we figure out what does it look like? What does it look like for us to be these kinds of ambassadors? Let's, let's dig into the text a little bit here in particular. First point that I want you to think about is that we are ambassadors of gospel hope. Already kind of tapped on this, right? We're ambassadors of gospel hope. So it's not just this pie-in-the-sky hope, right? It's not this false sense of hope that we just ignore the problems and say, everything's going to be all right, right? Don't worry. Be happy. Everything's going to be all right. It's not that kind of phony hope. We are ambassadors. We are messengers for gospel hope. And what exactly is gospel hope? Well, Paul kind of begins really in the, in the paragraph before our Focal passage here. When he talks about the fact that uh, that that gospel hope begins with the reality. And knowing the fear, the awe of the Lord. When we first began talking about the gospel in the middle of intentional gospel relationships. We talked about the fact that the gospel, the good news. Begins with the reality of the bad news. And the bad news is that because of our re- Uh, rebellion and sin that we are separated from a holy God that separation will be for eternity if there's no intervention that takes place that we will be eternally punished for the sin that we choose to do and that's kind of bad news right but the hope of the gospel is that when we come to a place to recognize and fall in awe of the God who created all things and sustains all things, but yet the God who loved us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for us, pay the price for our sin, be buried and then rise again in victory, that that promise of life out of death, that promise of freedom out of bondage, that promise of not being an object of the wrath of God, but instead a display of His glory, that that promise is our hope, right? We can be rescued from that, but it begins with seeing God for who He really is. Seeing God for who He is, and that's a part of what we're doing, we're persuading people to, to look up from their problems, to look up from their man-made solutions, and to look to the God who made it all, and who rules it all. Part of our struggle today is that we've got an authority issue, right? We don't like anybody being the boss of us, especially here in the West. We like our individualism. Nobody can't tell us what to do. But there's a God in heaven who made it all and who rules it all. And he is the authority over your life and every life that walks this planet, whether they like it or not. Whether you like it or not. It's the truth of who he is. One of the other things in the paragraph before that I kind of like, as, as Paul's talking about this idea of being in awe of God, the, the fear of the Lord, and uh, that their calling then is to persuade others, he, he does recognize that in that, as ambassadors of gospel hope, he recognized that he says, I'm not saying it's about us. See it there in verse 12, if you've got your text open, we're we're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. So uh, Paul recognizes here that ...being ambassadors of gospel hope, recognizing that the hope that we offer is something... ...it's working through us, but it's also outside of us. We're not commending ourselves to say, look at us, we're the hope. If we were that, we'd be some kind of social club, right? Or we'd be some kind of therapeutic gathering or something. If you'll just come and be a part of this, we're going to hum just right and sit just right... ...and do all the things, and when we do all the things, it's all going to be good... It, it, it is about us being this, but it's not about us somehow doing this perfect little thing. It's okay for us to be broken in a mess. It's okay for us to have all this junk, all this baggage behind us, and to still stand up and to say Jesus is the hope of the world. And to still say that Jesus can change all that junk, Jesus can transform and rearrange all of that and make us a new creation. That's the beauty of gospel hope, right? Is that we're not coming to people and saying, we were perfect, now you can be perfect like us. We're saying, we were broken in a mess just like you are, and Jesus loved us anyway. Even at our best, the only thing we really have is to point to Jesus. So it's not just that we weren't; it's that we still aren't, right? We're, we're still a mess. Anybody else? I'm a mess. Some say I'm really a mess. Both hands, right? You know, touchdown, Jesus. I'm really a mess. We are a mess. We make a mess of life sometimes. Got past that illustrate failures and weaknesses. This is this is what I love in you all. Who have been around a while and known me for a while, you know I love Ephesians two verses one through ten. That, yeah, I just I don't know what it is about that passage, but Ephesians two ten. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the verse that follows, saying, "For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves; it's the gift of God, not of works, so that nobody can boast." But God has made us, the literal translation of that, his poetic product. That always cracks me up a little bit. I've never thought about being anybody's poetry. Maybe Kim's. Maybe every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, the look on her face says, no, not that either. <laughs> but we are, we are indeed, we're, we're the poetic product of God. We've been made this beautiful new creation. Not because of earning or perfection, but because of his grace. This is gospel hope. This is gospel hope. Here uh, in the end of 14 and end of 15. That one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. We live because he died for us. That's why we do this every week to be reminded, not just as a tradition, not just as a ritual. We do this every week because we cannot forget what Jesus has done for us. He died to make our way. And because of that, we're controlled. We're compelled by Christ's love. So, so we don't go out and talk to other people. We, we don't represent Christ. We're not ambassadors for the kingdom because somehow we feel this obligation. We feel bound. We feel kind of stuck that we've got to do this because of what Jesus did for us. We do it because in that transformation that the gospel brings in us, we come to a full, complete understanding of His love for us, of how much He loves us. And because of that love, we are compelled to share that love with others. That's the hopeful part of this, right? We're not just offering people fire escapes out of hell. We're offering people the hope of all of the galaxy, right? We're offering people the hope that they can be known and loved by a holy God. They can be adopted into this family. And then if you look down in 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old is passed away. Behold, which that little word as I was reading over the last couple of days. That little, that little word, I, I've interpreted that word as check this out. Hey, this, this big stuff right here. Check this out. The new has come. We are transformed because of the power of the gospel. It's that transformation that allows us then to do what he's called us to do as ambassadors. And it's that transformation. It's that hope of transformation that we offer to the broken world all around us. Whatever flavor of brokenness that is. Whatever it is. And you say, yeah, but you don't know my neighbor and what they're into. Whatever the brokenness is. Yeah, but you don't know my family and how jacked up that is. Whatever the brokenness But yeah, what about those people over there that do this and that, whatever the brokenness? The power of the gospel to transform is sufficient. And it is because of the gospel that we can go from dead to alive. That's pretty awesome, right? That's something worth talking about. We can go from dead to alive. It's not just a simple platitude to say that Jesus fixes everything. Now, he may not always fix it in the way that we want him to fix it. And there may be an eternal fix that's happened and that is coming to culmination. But a, a lot of the ongoing brokenness and some of the scars of our brokenness, you guys do realize that though, right? That even when Jesus fixes things, that there's still scars that have been created by our rebellion and our bad choices and things like that. That sometimes we've got to deal with. Sometimes we've got to live through But our hope is to know that Jesus is above and beyond all of those things and all of that brokenness. The transformative work of the gospel is our only way through our brokenness and the brokenness of the world. Look at the middle of verse 19 real quick and then we'll jump to the next point. The middle of verse 19 and then verse 21. You see it there? not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Look at 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Is that, is that insane or what? That here we are, rebellious, angry, hateful, pursuing our own things instead of God. And God loves us so much that He takes His precious Son, that Jesus, fully God and fully man, perfect without sin, bears the brunt of our sin so that we can go from being objects of wrath to being a display of His righteousness and glory. I mean, that's just nuts when you think about it. But yet, it's that. That's our message. That's our story. That's what we have to share with this world. So our hope is a gospel hope. Second point. We are ambassadors because of and for reconciliation. Now, Again, we're kind of doing some overlapping circles here, and I recognize that. But only Paul, it's, it's, this, is, this is kind of interesting. If you underline, if you're like me, I like to mark in my Bible, if you underline all of the derivations of reconcile in this text, you're going to underline a bunch of words. Okay. Here's what's interesting. It's only Paul who uses that word, whether in noun form or verb form, in all of the New Testament. And, and, and he uses it here he uses it here in a in a very particular way because he uses it here with an understanding with an understanding that god is always the one doing the reconciling and humanity is always the one being reconciled it's always that way god is the one doing the reconciling we're the ones being reconciled and so what we have to offer to the world, this gift that we have to offer to the world, is a gift that comes from God. It's His gift. We're, we're, just, we're just passing it along. We're just sharing it. You could say we are holy re-gifters. I, I mean, that's a pretty good thing, right? re is usually kind of a bad thing. you got to be careful who you re-gift to, because you might accidentally give somebody the gift that they gave you last year. So you should mark that, always mark. Put a sticky note on everything and say, this is who gave me this, so you don't re-gift it to him. But this is good re-gifting. This is good re-gifting, and it's what we're called to do. It's our role as ambassadors. We've been given a gift. It's what we do. We we share it with everyone. Look here in 19 and 20. Christ the reconciler gives us a message. It says, And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we read it before, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making His appeal through us. Do you see the mechanism of how God is appealing to a broken and lost world? It's through us. That has implications for if we choose to not be a part. I, 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 don't, I don't think we can ever thwart the plan of God. God is sovereign. I believe that with all of my heart. So I don't think we can stop God's plan. But maybe there's some sense here in which we can slow it. Maybe there's some sense here in which we could save others from some of their pain and agony and difficulties By being more faithful, more effective as ambassadors? I I, I don't know how all of that works. But I know that this sentence here is crystal clear. God making his appeal through us. That means that we have been called into this role of ambassador... Because of the reconciliation of the gospel and now because of that, it's not just that and stop. Because of that, for the reconciliation of the gospel. That's what we have to offer, that's all that we really have to offer. But it happens because it's happened to us, we have it to offer to others. In Romans chapter 5 verses 8 through 11, Paul talks about this in a slightly different way. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Do you see what's going on there? Two really powerful words here that talk about our relationship with God because of what Jesus has done. The first that he mentions there in verse 9 is justified. That's that legal declaration That because of Christ's payment of our sin debt, we have been justified before a holy God. The debt has been paid, the bill has been canceled, and we are now made right. We are justified. We are declared righteous. But also then this reconciled, and that's the beauty of that, because sometimes... Those with us with a more legalistic mindset, right? We just kind of stop at the justified part. We're legal, we're set, our slate's clean, we're good, we'll just count that a win. But we've also been reconciled. This is also a relational thing. That's the beauty about how God works with us. This is not just some legal transaction that God has made to to write our, our debt off, to make us clean by what Jesus did. But it's brought us into right relationship with him. that's, That's the beauty. That's the kind of ambassadors that we are. We're not just ambassadors representing a country or representing some organization. And we don't even know who's behind the scenes. We don't know who's hiding behind the curtain. We're an ambassador. We're a representative of our father. The one who knows us and who loves us and who's adopted us into the family. We're sons and daughter representatives. Right? So we're not just somebody hired off the street to go out and rep the Father. We're His sons and daughters. This beautiful relational aspect of the gospel and of reconciliation is why it's so hopeful. Because what our world needs today is not just a sense of a theological transactional relationship to God but what our world desperately needs today is to actually know their creator to know their father that's what's missing that's why that's why people are so desperate that's why people are chasing after such insane things because they're in this massive identity crisis and they don't know who or what they are and the hope that we have to offer to them is that They can know their father, the one who created them. The one who loves them. The the one who will adopt them into the family. This is what we offer. You're called to be an ambassador, an appeal maker. You represent Christ's kingdom. Because you are reconciled through the gospel, you are called to proclaim this kingdom of reconciliation. All of us. Not a special tier that are the ones that we send across the oceans to the mission field. Not the ones who have been through the special evangelism training and know all 12 points of the outline and have memorized the 29 different scriptures. All of us to simply be ambassador eyewitnesses. To say, can I tell you about what my life looked like before God stepped in and turned everything upside down? Can I tell you what he did to me, through me, in me? Can I tell you what he offers to do for you? It's 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 not that complicated, right? I'm not saying it's not scary sometimes. But it's not that complicated. The last point we are ambassadors through life and voice. Now, this is important. I just kind of I just kinda want to hit this quickly because I do want you to see and I want you to sense that that there are some implications about even the use of this term ambassador that have implications for how we do this. First of all, I want you to know that ambassadors live incarnationally. Ambassadors live incarnationally. Ambassadors live in a different place than where they're from, right? We were from sin and rebellion. We've now been relocated into grace and mercy and love and hope. And so we live in a different place now. All right? But we gotta, we got to live there. It's about leading a life of influence for the sake of the gospel. Our life, how we live, is the full complement to what we say. So what I want you to see and what I'm trying to get at in this point is that it's a both and, it's not an either or. It's not just if we could just say the right things, that would be the answer. Or if we can just do some right things, we don't ever have to say anything. No, it's a both and. We live out the gospel. We display the gospel in the way that we interact with others, in the way that we deal with the realities of our life. We live the gospel, but we also speak this truth and hope. And it's interesting because in our world today... Sometimes folks are okay with you living like the gospel, but when you open your mouth to say the gospel, that ain't so cool anymore. While we were in New York, we were in a shop with a buddy who goes to shops where they wear clothes that little fat boys like me don't go because they don't fit, and I said, that's cool for you because you're like this, and those of us who are more like, yeah, we don't go to these shops, but anyway, we were in the shop, so I figured we'll redeem the time, so talking to the guy about why we're there and that we've come to work with these church planters that are serving in schools and we're providing these uh, back to school bags for the teachers at these schools as a way to bless them and encourage them it was all going great and they were were so cool with that they were like that sounds really good that's awesome and all that until I said and we're doing this because we really want to in some small way display how much Jesus loves everyone And how Jesus has changed our lives and he can change anybody's life. Yeah, we were done with that conversation really quick. Now I know, that was somebody that didn't know me, I didn't know them. So it's understandable and it's okay. But we are building relationships. We are living life with people. Earning the opportunities to share and to speak the truth of the gospel. It's vital to illustrate, to draw living pictures of our words, and through our lives. Sadly, in our world today, many kind of agree with the statement that's been, um, uh, that's been given to Mahatma Gandhi when he said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. That's the place where I say, don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Don't be that person that when you begin to speak of Jesus... People would have a tendency to say, you're a Christian? Be that one who lives it out, who speaks it out. Live it out even when life is hard. Can I say that to you right quick? Life is hard. It will be hard. It is going to be different and difficult. But we tend to like the idea of the well-dressed, tidy, wood-paneled office ambassador much more than repping Christ in the middle of pain. Yeah, we want it to be neat and tidy but I can say to you it's not I don't think it's ever really very neat and tidy (laughs) some of you have been on your journey with Jesus as long or longer than I have and you could give testimony that it's very rarely neat and tidy it's very rarely that everything's going perfect and we're saying to people hey if you'll trust Jesus your life can be just wonderful and peachy like mine we're saying hey even in the midst of the pain of my life, I know that Jesus is still my hope. Even in the midst of the brokenness in my family, I know that Jesus is still my hope. Even in the midst of financial despair, I know that Jesus is still my hope. Even in the midst of medical difficulties that have crushed my body and taken away much of my capacity, I know that Jesus is still my hope. Whatever the circumstances... Whatever the difficulties. We can offer lots of things when people are suffering and grieving the realities of a broken world. We can offer all kinds of things, but we can never forget that all the good things that we have to offer and to give away ultimately pale in comparison to the best thing that we have to offer to them, and that's Jesus. Now, part of the journey along the way, maybe we offer some of those simple things. And a part of that is how we build the relationship and then ultimately are able to offer Jesus. But we can't forget. It's true, and I believe what Richard Baxter says, Suffering so unbolts the door of the heart, that the word hath easier entrance. Anybody else give testimony to that? Sometimes it's at the bottom, when that still small voice of the Spirit finally, finally breaks through and resonates, and we understand the hope. Not only are ambassadors, not only do they live incarnationally, ambassadors go. You get that, right? That the very nature of an ambassador is that an ambassador is sent. An ambassador who sits at home isn't a very good ambassador, right? I don't know what that is, but it's not that we can call it something else. But we can't really call it an ambassador. An ambassador is, is one who's sent. We say of someone he or she is an ambassador. What to wherever, whatever that is, right? And in the same sense, we are a sent people. As you are going, make disciples. It, we are we are a part of a going thing. Not a sitting thing, not a leaning back thing, a going thing. To be the hands and feet of Christ, to be the mouthpiece of our Lord Jesus. To speak the truth and love to all who will listen. Sometimes we're sent to hard places and situations. Sometimes to places that we love and enjoy. But we are a sent people. Consider what Paul says in Ephesians 6. 19 and 20. And also pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Now listen to verse 20. Here it comes. For which I am an ambassador in chains. Bummer, right? (laughs) Not the kind of ambassador I want to be. Hey, Paul, I'm going to make you an ambassador to the jail to the basement of the jail, to be chained up. but He says, For which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Maybe it's not going to be jail. I hope not. Maybe it's not going to be someplace awful. You know what? Maybe it might just be work. Maybe that's kind of like jail for you, but that's a whole other thing too. Maybe it's just going to be to work. Maybe it's just going to be an ambassador to your school. Maybe it's just going to be an ambassador in your neighborhood to those hard neighbors that are difficult to deal with. Maybe it's going to be an ambassador in your family to family members who deride your faith and don't like what you believe. Maybe it's going to be, and we could name dozens of things in here, right? But you are a sent people called to go and represent the kingdom of God. And then finally, ambassador's appeal. That, that, that's, a part of, that's a part of this idea that's a part of this idea of what we're called to, the hope that we're called to give, is that we make an appeal. Look at what Paul wanted to do in Ephesians six that we just read. He, he, he wanted He didn't want to escape. He recognized that there was a function in where he was. There was a plan in where he was. There was a purpose in where he was. So what he wanted is not, hey, pray that I can get out of here. It stinks. I don't like it. But he wanted, to, he wanted the people to pray so that in that situation, in that circumstance, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Right? Right? You hear what's going on with him? That I may, into verse 20, declare it boldly as I ought to speak. That's what ambassadors do, right? Fundamentally, that's what ambassadors do is they speak as an emissary, as a representative and wherever they are sent, wherever they are sent. We're called to open our mouths. We're called to declare boldly, we're called to speak. We're called to talk about Jesus like I now love to talk about my grandbabies. I've got two beautiful granddaughters. They are the most beautiful children in the universe so far. (laughs) Far prettier and more attractive than my sons ever were. And uh, did I mention that my granddaughter designed and drew and made these socks for me? If you want to see pictures of them afterwards, I'll be happy to show you pictures. I realize that I've become that guy on this last trip because I was with people that I'm not always with. And they would say, well, how's it going? What's going on with your family? I said, oh, really? Did you just ask? I- I'd, be happy to, I'd be happy to show you. Uh, yeah, wait. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me show you my screensaver. These are, these are my granddaughters, right? Why? Well, it's because I love them. People had always told me how great it was to be a grandparent. I was like, yeah, yeah, I bet it is. That's awesome. But you don't even know, right? Grandparents in the room, so you, a couple of your grandparents in the room, you, you don't even know. It's just crazy. I mean, it's just amazing, right? And I want to tell people about them. I want to talk about them. I want to show pictures and all that. Wouldn't it be great? If we've been, We've been called out to be messengers and representatives, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator and the sustainer of all things, the one who loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us and to rescue us from our sin, to make us a display of his glory. I see those grandbabies. Wouldn't it be great if we had that much passion, if we had that much excitement? Look at these socks that Jesus made for me. Let me show you my Jesus socks, right? I'm not much into... Christian witness wear but if that's your thing that's okay that's cool what are your opportunities? can I ask you that as we close? what are your opportunities? where has God uniquely sent you? you see if he sent you there you'd be shocked at how well he's qualified you to be there how uniquely suited you are for that place right? right? You'd be shocked. So where have you been sent as an ambassador? Who are you an ambassador to? Who are you representing the kingdom to? How are you doing that with the way that you're living? With the way that you react and interact? With the way that you move through that space and through those relationships? How are you displaying the beauty of the gospel What are you saying? What what, what are you saying that points people to lift up their heads from all of this brokenness to see Jesus? We are called to be ambassadors of hope. Not just any hope. Not just pie-in-the-sky hope, but gospel hope. You're an ambassador. How does God want to use you to represent Him in the place that he's put you today. Let's pray together. Father God, we love you and thank you for your grace. For your mercy to us. God, thank you for the opportunity to come to this place. To recognize you. Your glory. Your beauty. Your magnificence to us. And uh, God, we uh, we just come to... We come to this time, and and God, I really do ask that you would help us to let this be a time that we're responding to you, not just going through something that we always do, not just kind of going through a ritual, but that as we receive these elements, that we receive them reminding ourselves that you have reconciled us. Jesus, that you gave your life, you spilled your blood for us to be made right with the Father. And God, that you might also remind us that we haven't just been reconciled to save our own skin. We haven't just been reconciled to get out of hell. We haven't just been reconciled to get to be a part of a church. But we've been reconciled to be reconcilers, to be ambassadors of hope and reconciliation to a lost and broken world. God, let this be a step this morning as we prepare our hearts for this week, for the relationships, for the people that you'll interact, bring into our sphere to interact with, that we can live out the gospel, that we can proclaim the gospel for your glory. Father, we love you and we thank you. Jesus, we thank you for giving the gift of life to us. Holy Spirit, we thank you for awakening our dead's hearts, calling us to come and to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.